Praise God. As we've come before the Lord our God, it is the season of Epiphany, and the word Epiphany see, it means to manifest, to reveal. Something that was once hidden is now being revealed. A mystery that is not revealed is now being manifested, being demonstrated. And we are in a season of Epiphany, and like I said, when we celebrated the season, of, when we started uh, this, this Epiphany on January 6th, it's something that we should be glad about because on this day, God revealed to us that the salvation that Jesus Christ brought into the world is not just a salvation that is for the Jews, but rather he revealed to us that this salvation is for us all. Amen? In other words, when it comes to the doors of heaven, when our time comes to enter the doors of heaven, we will not find a sign that says, unauthorized persons keep out. Okay? And if you're not born in, in Jerusalem, if you're not born of Jewish parents, then you are an unauthorized person. We are grateful we will never find that sign on heaven's door. Amen? We are grateful that he revealed to us on that, on that day that salvation is not just for the Jews. It is for all of mankind. The death of Jesus Christ, uh, the ransom that he paid, he did not only pay for the Jews, but he paid for the sins of the entire world. In other words, if anyone, whether you're born in Jerusalem, born in America, in Africa, in the Middle East, or in Asia, and we say, oh God, save me. I, I rely on what you've done. I thank you that Jesus Christ died for my sin. Come into my life, forgive me. You will be my God and there will be no other God but you. The moment you say that from your heart, God hears you and God receives you. Amen. He gives us life in this world and then he gives us a hope that the day that we die, okay, on the day that we die, when our spirit and soul leaves our body, we're not going to leave and we're not just going to wander aimlessly into the world. Okay, some people think that. But your soul begins to wander aimlessly. It's lost wandering, what do I do now? And it's trying to avoid demons that will pull it to hell. No. When your spirit and soul leaves your body, your guardian angels who have been with you since the time you were conceived, Okay, from the time you were conceived in the womb, guardian angels were given to you. You don't just get one, you get at least two. You understand what I'm saying? And then God has charged them to be with you, to guard you, to guide you wherever you go. You understand what I'm saying? And on that day, they will help you. And you will see Jesus come for you. Okay? Don't have to be afraid of it, any demons or any kind of darkness because they can't stand the light and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is now available to us because we are in the season of Epiphany. It has been revealed to us. But then, God does not just want to reveal His salvation to us. God wants us to reveal through our lives the salvation that He has given to us. In other words, to the question, what is a Christian? God, 
doesn't want someone just to present a good argument. God doesn't want someone just to write a brilliant essay. Okay? God wants us to live the life of the kingdom of the earth in such a way that people can say, that's what it means to be a Christian. See, that's what happened in the book of Acts. Do you know where the word Christian came from? If you read the book of Acts, there's a group of people, a community, that uh, they, they were so committed to the ways of Christ. They did things according to the way of Christ. And because of that, the people around them called them Christians. They acted like Jesus. They thought like Jesus. They spoke like Jesus, okay? They lived their life like Christ, and so they were called Christians. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen? It's like during the time of uh, uh, the superstars in, 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 in our nation, like maybe this was in the 1960s, 1970s, we've got people who were crazy about Nora Onor. What were they called? Noranias. <laughs> Today we have someone who's a mayor and oh no, is or maybe a governor. But there was a time she was a star. Okay? Her name is Villa Santos. And people who wanted her to be their favorite are called what? Vilmanians. <laughs> Well, because we are focused so much on Jesus Christ, we want to be called Christians. Amen? Hello? And we are thinking, you know, we were focused on heaven so much, we can also be labeled heavenians. <laughs> well, praise be to God. And God wants us to reveal the life of heaven while we're on the earth. God wants us to reveal the power of the kingdom while we're on the earth. God wants us to reveal the provisions of the kingdom while we're on the earth. Today, we know what God is willing to do for us because we have the Holy Scriptures. Will God supply your needs? How do you know that? Because God promised, right? One of the most common promises is Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. One of the mistakes of many Christians concerning that verse is that they apply it only to finances. It doesn't say God shall supply all your financial needs. He says God will supply all your needs. Physical, mental, emotional. God will supply all your needs. Amen? Well, God answer prayer. How many of you have ever experienced answer prayer? How do you know God will keep on answering? Well, that was in the past. God answered your prayer. How do we know that God will answer our prayers today? Because his word said so. Right? Ask and you shall receive. That's what Jesus said. And then he repeated it in the next verse. For everyone who asks receives. He made it more positive, more forceful, more emphatic. Like he's trying to imprint in our hearts and our lives that this is not like prayer is not like uh, picking numbers from lotto. It's not a gamble. 
It's not a roulette. Sometimes you get, sometimes you don't. No, he tells us that our Father is inclined to answer our prayers. You understand what I'm saying? Is our Father inclined to bless us? Huh? You might have forgotten this, but let me ask you again. How are you today? See, that's based on Ephesians 1.3. Okay? God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It doesn't say that God will bless us. It says that God has already blessed us. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has already deposited his blessings into our account. We've got it. But then the other one, blessed be a blessing, we also take that from the promise that God gave to Abraham. In blessing, I will bless you. Okay? Uh, the nations of the nations, they will be blessed because they bless you. He who blesses you, I will bless. But then you will say, well, how, how, come, how can we claim that? That's the promise given to Abraham. Because according to the book of Galatians, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, then God blesses us together with believing Abraham. Abraham believed God and God considered that righteousness for him and blessed him. Now the scripture says, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then God considers that righteousness on our part also. And what he blessed Abraham with, normally the blessing of Abraham is only passed on to his descendants, blood descendants, okay? But because we have faith in God through Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham also becomes the blessings of everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can say the blessing of Abraham is mine in Christ Jesus. Amen? I mean, we can't say, that now that we know that, we, we, we can't say that we have nothing or, or, or uh, when things become uh, a little too difficult or maybe not just a little difficult, but very, very difficult. We don't say what the world is saying, okay? Life is hard, life is difficult. It might be so, but you are a person with a God in your life. You are a person with God as your God. Anyone who worships God, the one true God, okay? The God of Israel, the God who sent Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to become the Lamb of the Lamb of God to die for our sins. Anyone who worships that God can never be hopeless. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible very clearly says that we have faith in Him. We join in the commonwealth of Israel. It becomes a commonwealth for them and for us. We are no longer strangers or aliens concerning the covenants. Okay? We are part of the family of God. We are part of the community of faith. And just as God has promised to bless uh, the people who worship him, in, in the Old Testament especially, God has promised to bless, protect, help, assist, defend, fight for people of faith in him through Jesus Christ.
you've got God on your side. Scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? Anyway, let's go to the Word. There's a lot of Word to that, uh, by the way. Um, of all the messages that we could follow, I've mentioned a lot of them. Uh, I believe that this is what God is wanting for us to, uh, uh, to, to remember. Okay? As we focus on our King. As we focus on our King. We will walk in the blessings of the Kingdom even in the midst of darkness. As we focus on our King, we will walk in the blessings of the Kingdom, even in the midst of darkness. See, some people, when they hear the words that we've been talking about, we are blessed. And some people say, well, what about what's going on in the world? What about all the problems? It's like they're saying, because of the problems in the world, what you're saying, that God has blessed us, cannot be true. What they're saying is the problems is the proof, they are the proof, that the blessings of God cannot be true. Okay? But what God is saying to us, regardless of what's going on in the world, okay, He's still God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The blessings are there. And some people are asking, well, if that's so, how come we don't see them? All right? And some people say, well, I, I see some Christians who are blessed. But I don't see all Christians being blessed. All right? I see some Christians walking in this. But what about the others? Does God only love a few Christians and not them? Okay? How come I don't see it? And some people even say, how come I don't see it? All right? You keep saying that God hears and answers prayer. I've been praying for this long time now. How come I don't see any answers the way you guys say that God hears and answers prayer? And basically, uh, whether they, they're saying it out loud or not, what they're saying is, God has not blessed everyone, but only a few. God does not hear every prayer, but only the prayers of the favorites. They're not saying that out loud. Okay? But that's basically what they are implying. Alright? And the one thing that we need to understand from the Holy Scriptures is this. When it comes to the blessings of God and our experiences of the blessing, if we don't experience that, it can never be the fault of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Understand, God is a perfect being. Hello? God is a God of love. Okay? And the Word of God very clearly says, God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't mean He doesn't respect us, but what that means is that God does not play favorites. Hello? That means if God loved Abraham, David, Moses, and we think, wow, they're such great guys. And I can believe that God can love them. I don't know if God can love me. God is saying that He loves you just the same. Okay? He doesn't love Jesus Christ more than He loves you. Uh, who, who told us that? Jesus Christ was the one who told us that. Father doesn't love me more than He loves you. 
If he loves me, he loves you guys. You understand what I'm saying? But, so again, but we have to answer the question, how come some people do not experience the promises of God in their lives? The promises of God are given to everyone who has faith in Jesus, correct? But how come not, any, not everyone experiences the benefits of the promises? Okay? And like I said, it can never be the fault of God. Okay? One of the reasons that people do not receive the promises of God in their lives is that they do not live according to the principles of the kingdom of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean, I, Scripture says, ask and you shall what? Receive. And yet I've heard people argue, well, God already knows my need. Why do I even have to ask? I don't have to ask anything. Does God know everything that we need before we need them? Yes, that's what Jesus Christ said. Your Father knows your need even before you ask. But then Jesus Christ instructed us, ask. Right? Not many people do. They keep arguing, why do I have to ask? I mean, if God already knows my needs, why do I have to ask? Because Jesus Christ said so. They can go on arguing with God and demand that God would meet them according to their terms. But it doesn't work that way. Another area for prayer. Has anybody offended you? Has anyone hurt you? Have you ever been betrayed by anyone? Okay? It's easy to hold offenses and grudges against people. You understand what I'm saying? It's easy not to forgive. Lord, forgive me, but I simply cannot forgive what they did to me. That is a prayer that can never, ever, ever, ever be answered. Because Jesus Christ said to us, especially in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as... Now, look at what you're praying. Look, look at the prayer that Jesus Christ taught you. Forgive us the way we forgive others. In other words, what you're, what you're saying, Jesus Christ taught us, Father, the kind of standard that we use against other people, use that for us. If we forgive them, forgive us. If we don't forgive them, do not forgive us. Are you getting it? Hello? See, some people say, well, you know, God understands that that guy did these things to me. Maybe he did. But the word of God is very clear. Forgive. If you don't forgive, then it will hinder your prayers. Hello? Okay? Or what about meeting your needs? The Bible says, give and it shall be what? Given to you. And some people say, well, I've heard people say this. They're Christians. Well, God is rich, richer than me. He should give to me first before I give. That's the problem. We try to rationalize and argue with God concerning his terms. You, you need to understand something. 
In the kingdom of God, God is king. You understand what I'm saying? He sets the rules. He sets the principles of the kingdom of God. Okay? And when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he adopts us as his sons, and he also makes us kings. But you need to understand, we are only kings while we are worshiping the one true king. Okay? We cannot set rules on our own. We cannot say, okay, now that I'm a king, I'm now declaring in my life, in this household, you may not forgive. It's okay now. Now, that, that won't happen. You cannot butt heads with a king. Satan has tried that and he's been losing ever since. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? So, the reason why people don't experience is because instead of accepting, receiving, and living out the principles of the kingdom of God, they choose to do things in their own way. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so because of that, they block the blessings that God has already given them. It's like this. If you've got a glass of water, and I'm pouring, I have the pitcher, and I'm pouring water in the glass of water, okay? As long as the glass is open, you will receive the water, right? But if you put a cover, I can keep on pouring pitchers of water. But if the glass is covered, it will not receive anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? For many Christians, the glass has always been covered because they insist on doing things their way instead of God's way. Hello? And basically, in the kingdom of God, God wants us to live like the saints, all right? So let's, let's go to the word of God. All right. Uh, like, like I said, I gave you the, uh, the, the word. As we focus on the king, we will walk in the blessings of the kingdom even in the midst of darkness. Many Christians focus on the problems instead of the king. Many Christians focus on the darkness instead of the king. And so because of this, they do not walk in the blessings of God. The Bible says, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? All right. There are two things I'd like to share. There's a lot of things I've said. But anyway, two statements from this, and I'll, we'll go through this quickly. All right, from verse 1 to verse 2. All right, uh, uh, the principle I'd like you to learn is this. As his principles, we listen to our Lord's teachings. As his disciples, rather, as his disciples, we listen to our Lord's teachings. Verse 1 through verse 2. We'll come back to that. And then the second thought, principle I'd like to share with you, it's from verse 3 to verse 12 is this. We are called to live in and manifest the blessings of his kingdom. We're called to live in and manifest the blessings of his kingdom. Verse 3 to 12. Now let's go back to the first song. As his disciples, we listen to our Lord's teachings. Let me just read verse 1 and 2. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, all right? It says, look, look at the setting here. The Lord Jesus Christ, while he was teaching, he went up on a mountain. 
Now, when we talk about mountains in the Holy Scriptures, a mountain was where Moses met with God. It was Mount Sinai. A mountain was where Elijah offered sacrifice on Mount Carmel. And concerning Jerusalem, they were called Mount Zion. All right? Mountains remind us of covenants that God makes with us. In other words, when Jesus Christ started teaching from a mountain, he's reminding us that he's giving us a covenant with God. And when we talk about a covenant, we're talking about something that is eternal, something that's lasting, something that is permanent. The relationship that we have with God is not a casual relationship. It is not a live-in relationship, you know? You, how many of you are familiar with that a phrase, live-in relationship? Do, do, you, do you understand what that means? Oh, we're all naive here. Okay, I guess I'm the only one. Anyway, what, what it says is that there are certain people who say marriage is just a piece of paper. So, you know, why don't you and I just live together under one roof? Because we love each other, let's live like husband and wives without getting married. So that one day when we get tired of each other, we can just quit. Call it quits. No hard feelings. Okay? And so they live together. They sleep together. They, they call it, you know, we make love. Actually, God calls it fornication. You understand what I'm saying? But we love each other, so what? Because God says you got to get married. You understand what I'm saying? This is an example of some people putting in their conditions rather than submitting to what God said. Hello? Okay? And so, they do that. And, and, and uh, later on, if, they, if things get a little bit too hard, or they fall in love with somebody else, they, it's okay. At least we can part as friends. Living relationship is not permanent. Living relationships does not have any kind of assurances. Do you understand what I'm saying? And God is saying, that's not the kind of relationship I want with you. When we enter into a relationship, it is going to be a blood covenant. My son will shed his blood for you. The blood is symbolic of life. In other words, my son gives his life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then when you accept him as Savior and Lord, you give your life to God. In a sense, it's like shedding your blood also. Because you have given your life to God. And God is saying from now on, forever until eternity, I will be your God. I will never get tired of you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never turn my back on you. I will never walk away from you. I will be your God. You understand what I'm saying? But then we enter into that covenant. We partake of the covenant table. We say to God, forever, from henceforth, from this moment on, we are going to be your people. We will worship you forever, through thick and thin. Okay? In good times and bad times, you will always be our God and we will trust you. We will worship you. We will follow you. You are our God. We are your people. This is a covenant. This is what Jesus Christ is saying. God is offering this relationship and Jesus Christ paved the way by dying on the cross for us. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a covenant that God is giving to us. The, the mountain is a symbol also of the church. It is a symbol of uh, the kind of a relationship that uh, people of God has with God. Okay? Well, God has never changed his behavior towards us. He has always been faithful. He has always been merciful. He has always been patient. He's always been long-suffering. Okay? He's never changed. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God. I do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. The problem with the covenant is sometimes we change. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we say, God, I give you my life forever. And I will work for you. I'll be committed to you. I will put you first. But then one day, because of the blessings of God, our lives begin to develop. We begin to enjoy certain things we didn't enjoy before. And because of that, the world kinds of recognizes us and so invites us to parties and parties that we can go to wherever. And sometimes we choose to do that instead of keeping our commitment with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is not the one who walks away from us. We walk away from God. God is the one who is always waiting for you in the prayer room. If you've said to God, I will pray in the morning, before you enter into your prayer room or your prayer closet, God is already there. And God is thrilled. God is excited. God wants to meet with you. God's excited to see you. You understand what I'm saying? But doesn't God, isn't God with me all the time? Yes, he is. Wherever you go, he's with you. But there's that intimate time where God reserves a time with you and you alone. But doesn't he meet with other people also? Yes, he does. But he can give you the time of day as if you were the only one there. You understand what I'm saying? He wants to meet with you face to face. And he waits for you. And he longs for you. And if you don't show up, he's disappointed. But he'll wait again tomorrow. Does that mean he doesn't love you anymore? He does. No matter how much you hurt God, he will not love you any less. Frankly, when you hurt God, you're just really hurting yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Because you walk away from God, you walk away from the one who loves you, the one who, who could help you. Now you can walk with the enemy and get all tied up, tangled, beaten, bloodied, and finally in the pit of despair, say, God, help me. God will call and come and help you. But you don't have to fall there for God to come to you. I mean, what, what, why go through that experience when you don't have to? Right? Hello? So basically he said this, and it says here, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them saying, I'm saying, Lord, uh, in, our, in our English class, we don't have to say that, and he taught them. Our teacher would say, this sentence is, you could edit this. You don't have to say, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. When he taught them, we, it is understood he opens his mouth. <laughs> But God is not 
interested in grammatical preciseness. What God wants to, to what God wants to emphasize to us is always talking to us. Don't you know God is a talker? Hello? Well, how come not many people hear him? Because not many listen. Hello? Some people pray to God this way. Okay, prayer closet. They go to prayer. Hallelujah, God. Thank you that you're my father. Thank you for the blessings of this day. Oh, God. Oh, I, 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 I failed in this. I'm sorry. Please forgive my sins. <clears throat> Thank you. And Lord God, uh, can you bless my 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 uh, my friend is going through this particular problem, and uh, my mom is in the hospital. Please pray. I pray for her. And Lord, help me, bless me with my job today. And uh, concerning everything, I thank you that you go before me. You make the crooked places straight. I praise you and I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bye bye. And God is saying, but so, I, 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 you understand what I'm saying? We do the talking. And we don't let him talk into our lives. You understand what I'm saying? Hello. Okay. So when he says he opened up his mouth, God wants to talk to him. I mean, a relationship is not really a relationship if someone is talking all the time and the other one is not. There's no communication going on. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we need to understand this church. I mean, God is so kind. I mean, he doesn't, he didn't make us as robots. He wants us to be people with free will and choice comfort. If God had made us robots, you know what he would have done? He just pressed the mute button. I don't know if the, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, but he did. It's our choice to continue. All right, so how come not many people lose? Hear what God said, because not many people listen. Our God is a God who talks to us. Amen? And if we just listen to what he's saying to us, it'd help us with our business, it'd help us with our family, it'd help us with our affairs, okay? Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the name Norval Hayes. He's a businessman who teaches the word of God. And if I understand correctly, he's the one who's been mentoring this current president uh, of, the, of the United States, uh, Donald Trump. But I, I, in the 1970s, I used to watch the videos of Norval Hayes. The first time I saw his video and he was introduced, he was introduced as, and we've got a millionaire businessman and he's here to teach us the word of God. And presenting Mr. Norval Hayes, and he comes with applause. And then when the applause dies down, he says, Excuse me, I am not a millionaire, I am a multimillionaire. And there's a reason why he said that. He said that I was on the verge of bankrupt and I didn't know what to do. And I went to God and I read his word and in prayer I was listening to him and God gave me some instructions. And I followed his instructions. And now I am a multimillionaire because of God, not because I'm a genius, not because I'm a brilliant businessman, but because God helped me with, his, with my business. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, he's got, when he goes to the office, he's got conference time with God. He tells his secretary, 
Don't let anyone interrupt me. This is my conference time, part one conference time. And when, you know, they would open the door and just peek in, just, just him. And he's talking. And they would say that he's just talking to himself. But he was talking with God. He says he would talk, he would listen, he would write it down, make notes. And then later on, after his conference with God, he calls in his business associates. He calls in his business partners. Then he talks to them. This is what God told me. And he says, I was on the verge of bankruptcy until I started listening to God. And God made me a multimillionaire. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to understand that, church. Uh, God is someone who would do this thing. But let's go on. Let's go to the second thought. We're called to live in and manifest the blessings of God. Okay. From verse 3 to verse 12. Let me just go through this. I'll just give you bullet points because uh, we're running out of time. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So, you know, during that time, the audience of Jesus were the Jews, and they were under the dominion of Rome. There was a time that they could determine for themselves what their future would be, because they were a free people. Okay? But because of their disobedience to God, they came under the dominion of Rome. And now they cannot determine for themselves what their future could be. It's like they lost everything. And they came to the Lord with this despairing attitude. And the Lord is saying to them, you don't have to despair because the kingdom of God is yours. The resources of the kingdom of God is yours. Don't you know? Because you are with God. You have hidden provisions. Instead of walking in despair, walk in faith because the kingdom of God is yours. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then when the blessings of God improve your life, when you come to the point where you can afford many things, maybe come to the point where you can afford everything, he says, make sure that you are poor in spirit. What does that mean? You will never come to God and say to God, you know what, God, there was a time I needed you, but I'm rich now, I'm okay now, so it's okay. I don't need you as much. No. Someone who's poor in spirit is always dependent on God. I need him. I mean, this guy, Nova Hayes, I just saw a recent uh, interview, he's already 80 years old, I thought he was dead, but he was still alive, okay? Multimillionaire, but he always takes time to be with God. I can't live my day without God. I need him in my life. A multimillionaire does not really say something like that. Multimillionaire says, I don't need anyone. I'm rich. Not him. I need God. There's that desperateness that I need to be with God even though he's a multimillionaire. Amen? Blessed are the poor in spirit because yours is the kingdom of God. Then another thing that he says here, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Again, the people who mourn, they saw, they, they, they see how Jerusalem is, is, is dominated by a foreign power and then they remember how it was so free before. In the time of David, in the time of King Solomon, they were the most envied kingdom in the world. But now here they were, in, and they mourned and grieved because 
they they see the injustice they see how that the enemy has taken hold of them they mourn and Jesus Christ says don't give in to despair you will be comforted God is a God of comfort Romans 15 verse 4 says we have comfort in the Holy Scriptures we find our comfort by looking at the promise of God and not by our current situation I remember when president in America in 2009 was Obama and then one of the first things he did was on the first Friday of his term as president at four o'clock in the afternoon when he thought nobody was looking he signed uh, a directive that he will allow federal funds to be available to any clinic any movement in the world not just in America that will provide teach abortion and so what I'm saying that is something I mourned about and, and and you know I look at the scriptures and it just says darkness cannot win I put my hope there I put my comfort there and I put my faith in what God can do well we have a president now that just reversed that or they have a president now that just reversed that you understand what I'm saying I mean he he says from now on no taxpayers money will be used for any abortion anywhere and 221 million that was supposed to go to the Palestinians he blocked that took eight years of praying but what God is saying you don't have to mourn because there is always hope in him your comfort is in him okay then he says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth the meek does not mean the weak okay meek means power under control because you believe God's got things you don't go wild you don't go out in the streets and you will smash doors smash windows uh, burn cars and kick things over all right you don't go wild you don't throw a tantrum you don't take matters in your own hands you don't try to kill yourself you understand what I'm saying but because you trust in God you hold it in I'm trusting in God I'm not seeing anything right now but praise be to God God is faithful God can be trusted I'm not seeing any outward things but I know he's working behind the scenes God doesn't even have to give me a proper support. It's enough that he said he will help me. Call unto me in the day of trouble and I will answer thee and I will deliver thee. I don't know how, I don't know what he's doing right now, but I called out to him. The process of deliverance is taking place right now. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? And he's saying when you do that, you will inherit the earth. Thank God. One day we'll inherit heaven, but he's saying, even the earth you will inherit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I mean, th th these are people who are, who are hungry for more of God. For them, what the world offers is not sufficient anymore. They try the pleasures of the world. 
Okay? They've tried drunkenness. They've tried revelry. They've tried dissipation. They've tried all of these things, but it's not sufficient anymore. And they're saying, we want more of God. And oh God, our nation needs you right now. And they can't help but pray and believe God for the power of God to fall on everyone. And we are in that season right now where heaven is invading earth. We're in that season right now where the pharaohs of the world will see what the God of Moses can still do today. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It doesn't say the judgmental, but the merciful. Because we understand the mercy of God. We stand in the gap for people we think are not worthy of God's kingdom. Somebody stood for us. Now we learn how to stand for them. That the mercy that we receive, you're able to extend to somebody else. Amen? Are you learning something from this? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in That means you have no other motive except you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You have no other agenda except God. And it says here, Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. You have supernatural manifestations. You'll see God work in your life. you see God work in the lives of others. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You're not part of the problem. Dividing people, you're not part of the gossip. You're not part of the intrigues. But you're part of the one that tries to bring everyone together with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Peacemakers, you will be considered sons of the Almighty. God calls you sons. And sons, you will have special ranking and benefits, not only in heaven, but here on earth. All right? I have no time to, to discuss those things. And then he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That means because you want to do what is right. We, we remember what uh, Amos said, what does God require of us? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk in humility. What does it mean to do justly? That means to do what is right. You understand what I'm saying? What is right? Right is based on the standards of God. You familiar with the Ten Commandments? Hello? Ten Commandments tell you what is right and what is wrong. You don't come up with your own standards of what is right and what is wrong. You don't say, well, you know, maybe God says it's right, but for me, that's not right. No. Your standards of right, your standard of morality is not based on your own opinion. It's not based on somebody's opinion. Your standard of morality is based on God's standard. And he gave us that in the Ten Commandments, and it is summarized in love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind all your strength, love each other as yourself. You understand what I'm saying? And he says when you do that, the world might think you're not cool. Okay? You're not quella. Alright? Because you don't want to, uh, you know, uh, do the things that they're doing with abandon. Okay? And they might persecute you. He says here, you might think things are going bad with you, but he's saying, blessed are you 
Because you're making a stand for my kingdom. You're making a stand for what I stand for. You're making a stand for me. He says here, because of righteousness, they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The full authority, the full provisions, the full resources, the whole of heaven, the host of heaven, the angels of heaven, the God of heaven has your back. You understand what I'm saying? Let me just continue this. You're learning something from this. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Understand it's because of him. Okay? You're not being persecuted because you're being a jerk. Okay? You're not being persecuted because you're being rude to other people. You're not being persecuted because you're not doing the right thing. Okay? You're being persecuted because you're doing the right thing and you're standing up for the standards of God. You desire to speak for God. And he says, it, blessed are you when they revile you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he says, great is your reward in heaven. You, you, you have no idea, no idea what it is. But God is, I'm just here to tell you, don't underestimate it even though you haven't seen it yet. You, eye has not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for us in heaven. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, if you feel what you're doing for God is so much of a sacrifice, understand this, God is able to compensate you more than what you could ever ask or think that when you enter into this reward, you will feel so ashamed and embarrassed because at one time you boasted to others, I sacrificed this for God and you felt it was such a big sacrifice. When God begins to compensate you and over-deliver his promises, you'll find out what you gave up for him is so small, so little, compared to what he gives to you. So when we begin to walk in what the Lord says, we will begin to manifest the kingdom. People will begin to see the kingdom of God. And that's what God wants. He wants to work together with the church. The king, together with his kings, his kings and daughters in the Lord, queens in the Lord, okay? Manifesting the kingdom of God together, just like Moses, just like Elijah. Amen? Did you learn anything today? Praise God, let's all stand together.